right, my talkers, we can almost taste the stuffing and the gravy. We are getting close to the best meal of the year. We're hanging out with Lori and special guest host, Brittany, if we can get her little theme song in here. I am excited to eat. I am excited to do this. Same. And we are excited to also have Ellie in with us, who's one of our new producers. I know. Kicking Ellie, over say there. hi to the people. Hello. Hello. Uh, How's everyone doing? Everyone is doing good. Ellie, you're going to have your first experience with learning about a notable life. This uh-huh. was an obituary that was in um, the New York Times. And um, just sometimes it's amazing to read an obituary and what someone's life was like and what they did. And when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, I read this book called The Hop, which was a very eye-opening novel about a woman who becomes a sex icon. Basically, she works, she becomes worldwide famous, but she works at a brothel. And she is very, like, this is what she wants to do. And she becomes this movement. Does it look like I sold my body? You know, kind of a thing. So... Here's who has passed away. Her name is Carol Lee. She went by the Scarlet Harlot. And she wanted to change the image and treatment of sex workers, which is a term she coined back in the 70s. Okay, so she as she passed away of cancer. She began working as a prostitute after moving to San Francisco from stuffy old Boston in 1978. She said she couldn't take living there one more second. And in a 96 interview with the San Francisco Examiner, she said she was galvanized into activism in 1979, and she'd started working as a prostitute in 78, but two men raped her at a sex studio where she worked, leading her to realize that if she reported the crime, the establishment would be shut down and everyone would be out of work. She said, I became very dedicated, very dedicated to changing the conditions so that other women would, other women wouldn't have to deal with what I dealt with. And for, for young people, you know, in the, for years and years, prostitution was rarely thought of as it was nothing but a crime and that men and women who sold sex were viewed as criminals even though the people hiring them were not viewed as criminals and they were and sometimes people were forced into that work you know they were trafficked or whatever and she argued that people that there are people that engage in prostitution by choice and that for many sex for money transactions like the escort business should you know be treated with respect if that person is in it willingly and her point she was always very funny about it and um she told the arizona daily star in 1985 there's so many women who make a living in the sex business and don't admit it topless dancers are sex workers for example and we've all heard the story about the wife who has sex with her husband to get a refrigerator (laughs) go on a trip Whatever it might be. So she was always funny. And um, uh, there's a guy who teaches uh, sociology and anthropology. And he said anyone who takes any work about sex work and feminism knows who Carol Lee is because she was a staple in the movement for sex workers rights. And um, she wanted to use that word to destigmatize what they did. And 
Um, what else do we know about her? Um, she- well, am I am I wrong that the, is this the woman who is like the the Hollywood like uh, mistress? Where she like Charlie Sheen was like attached. Oh, as no, one of no, big no. You're thinking of um, oh, I know another lady. Um, she had the parrots, and she wanted to open yeah, a brothel. She had those crazy teeth. Yes. Heidi Fleiss. Heidi Fleiss. That's what it is. Yeah, yes. See, I'm getting I'm getting these two confused. Yes, Heidi Fleiss is still with us. I think she might be in her late fifties, early sixties, but um, good for her. Yeah, Carol Lee, she went by the Scarlet Harlot and when she moved to San Francisco, she got a job in a restaurant. She absolutely hated working in a restaurant. She said, I don't want to work in a restaurant. I'm an artist. I want to explore life. So for me, initially, prostitution was just like an investigation into what would I, what could I do? I was poor and feeling desperate at the time, and I didn't really find anything wrong with that. And then in the early 80s, she did a one-woman show called The Adventures of Scarlet Harlot, which she performed in San Francisco. And she just t- was storytelling, and she was very serious about criminal criminalization, getting uh, the word out there, needle exchanges when the HIV AIDS thing was happening. She was always on the front line. And in the mid-1990s, she served on a commission on prostitution in San Francisco um, and um, wanting to decriminalize it because she was of the opinion if you're going to decriminalize the people who are working as sex yeah. workers, you've got to criminalize people buying, buying. Yeah. And um, she made videos. She organized art shows by sex workers. And in 2003, she published a memoir called Unrepentant Horror, the Collected Works of Scarlet Harlot. And um, what a title. I know right. it. She inspired people. And she one of her friends was quoted as saying, no doubt. Carol, our Scarlet Harlot, will be continuing her work from that big brothel in the sky where whores are safe, revered, and happy. I love that. I mean, I work, I mean, I um, I have uh, a few friends who are dancers, mm-hmm. and um, I know somebody who also is, you know, has sex for money, mm-hmm. and they, there is something powerful about all of them calling themselves sex workers. yes. And so you'll hear that a lot in that community, yes, because it's looked at as this is what we do, and it's and Carol it's all because of that. Isn't it's that all wild? Because, of because Carol. people will always thrown off. Look, you're not a sex worker; you're a dancer. And they're like, no, we're all sex workers. Yeah, yeah. Well, so and sh- it's gone. It's gone digital. You know, it's there's yeah. a different sense of safety for right. these young women who are fishing on stuff like Tinder and Hinge. right, yeah, and all that, and young men and too. I guess there's some a powerful aspect to that too. Uh, we've talked to I've talked to them about it. Is they don't have to rely on a man to find their uh, buyers now because yeah. of that online aspect yeah, that yeah, yeah. Ellie is talking about. There is a self-promotion that can exist, you know, and OnlyFans that can exist. Mm-hmm. Things like that where you take out the element um, of like searching for also a man to be searching for your next right. you know customer. Now, of course, with everything good, bad comes as well. You've got the online aspect yeah. where you're, you're getting reached out by more and more people. But yeah, it's a it's a it's gray area. If that, you know what I mean? Like I know. it's not it's not as black and white as everybody would say it. And you're right. I think the Scarlet Harlot 
Scarlett Harlett, Carol Lee. She died too young at the age of 71, but man, she did a lot. Let's get the book title one more time because Allie's right. It's so good. Unrepentant Horror, the collected work of Scarlett Harlett. And it's just all her stories. And it came out in 2003. So who knows if you'll even be able to get it. But I just thought that was a notable life worth mentioning. Thanks for bringing that. When we come back, Brittany, I hope you're ready to give us random thoughts. Always. Brittany, oh, Brittany, 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 very different random thoughts than Julia has. It's all it is. Yeah. Okay. We all know we got Thanksgiving tomorrow and we have Black Did we know Friday. that, Ellie? Did we know that? I think I was aware that there was a holiday oh, tomorrow. Oh, great. Now both of you are giving me sass. <laughs> okay. Grant, why don't you jump on and also Yeah, Grant, Grant's already making, he's in the other room cooking. So... There's a thing called Blackout Wednesday. Uh-huh. Now, as a lot of college kids who are, like, this is their first holiday back. Yes. So this is the one where you come back, you go to that local Your bar. local bar. And, like, bars around Tiffany's is going to be hopping tonight. Tips Bunny's is going to be hopping. Oh, Plums yeah. is going to, I'm thinking of all the, if Liquor Lyle was still around, oh. that'd be hopping. Williams would be hopping. Williams would be hopping. Every oh, bar Stella's. right now. Every yeah. bar right now is preparing for this right now. Yeah. So be nice to your servers. We're all understaffed. Have a blast, but it is officially. That's what they call I didn't know it was called Blackout Wednesday. Wednesday. I, I love it. Oh, and then you show up to Thanksgiving and you pretend you're not hungover. hungover but no. yet all that food is just what you need. Oh. It is like it is like perfect hangover food. It, it really is. Unless you get too far to the point where you can't consume. Don't really get blackout. Yeah, don't really Wednesday. get blackout. Don't really do that. You'll be like me and still thinking about that Thanksgiving from oh. 2007 that I missed that meal. And yeah. I will always remember that oh, meal that that's I didn't rough. get. I remember one time I came back from college and my mom had signed us up for delivering turkeys and <laughs> Thanksgiving meals for people. And I was so hungover. And we were driving <laughs> all over the place. And at one point I was like, can you just pull over quicker here? <laughs> Thanks, I'm Mom. the youngest one here, and I'm literally about to go home and stressfully make two pies for my partner's Thanksgiving. So I feel like a total bummer. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not going out, Ellie. No, no. I'm not going out. There's people coming I'm over, but I am having wine while I assemble the things I have to assemble. But did you make that banana pudding already? Is I mean, that to- yeah, it's oh, so good. Banana cream pudding. Yeah. Mm. I have mm. to say that I'm very annoyed with that, Ellie. I'm annoyed that you're not, we're not getting to live vicariously through you. I'm also annoyed with all the 20 year olds that I go to college with because <laughs> they are doing this thing with their boyfriends what? that is driving me crazy. What is it? They are splitting their Thanksgivings no. with 20 year olds? No. Da- someone they are dating. No. With the, that, they were splitting. I was like, you, that I no. don't even like doing that as a married person. No, yeah, you just go and have your separate Thanksgiving. If you're newly dating someone that's under a year, come on now. Come on, but now. I want my boyfriend to meet my family. This is not the place. You know what? You know that nothing will push the breakup faster yes. if you're on the edge than doing that. Mm-hmm. They won't no- like him. Yeah, you're, you're right, Ellie. And nobody gets to enjoy themselves. Pressure. If I bring, let's say, me and Grant, Grant are dating, and I bring him there, I'm nervous for Grant. Yep. Grant's mm-hmm. nervous for me. Grant's mm-hmm. not relaxing. Other people don't want to have new relationships yeah. yep. while they like stuff them. Yeah. Nobody's having fun in that situation. Yeah, you got to slowly build that relationship so it is a comfortable overall. Like you can go on your own and do your own yes. thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You got to be 
super serious to do that. And in and in college, you shouldn't be super no. serious about anything except no. getting your degree. However you can do it, however long it takes you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Be serious about your social life, yes, the job social. you have. Be serious about not getting into debt. And But no. There's That's a, ton- a new wave. People are getting married younger and younger. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why. Why? Yeah, why? Why? Sure I'll tell you why. So they can break why? up with the person they picked in their 20s and start over in their also, 30s. Also, it's the only way we can afford to buy houses. There you Let's go. say that. Yeah, like, I'm going to actually have, like, a throuple. Right. Yeah. Ellie, you and your partner <laughs> moving in. That's the only way we're going to afford a house. Oh, Are you in? You're I, right. We, yeah. already, we already got a house, but thanks for the offer. Of yeah. course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Another person is doing better than me. Great. <laughs> That's the other thing. People younger and younger are trying to buy houses. I, just, I think young people are taking themselves way too seriously yeah. why we include that why well you know there are loan things that people qualify for and there's neighborhoods that need revitalizations and cities and stuff like that so. i'm saying as somebody who got married later had a kid later yeah i had a really fun 20s uh, oh no i know and believe me i went yeah. hard yeah. and had to retire some things early mm-hmm. i I have no interest in now reliving that in my 30s. Yeah. And there are people that missed out on all that and now are trying to relive all that right. in their 30s. Yeah. Not I saying mean, that's whenever, everybody. Yeah, when, whenever you do it. But, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I do have to acknowledge. So we've acknowledged Blackout Wednesday. Yes. We know, we've, we've painfully acknowledged tomorrow's Thanksgiving. How about this? Plumbers call Friday. Oh, Brown Friday. Oh, no. That makes sense. For bringing a boyfriend or girlfriend who's a huge pooper home and they hey. use wads of toilet paper and their wipes and then they clog up the... If you have a septic system, it's good to get that bad boy pumped before the family comes over. Yeah, I know put it that way. So not only the extra guests and the extra, you know, situations happening... Also, on top of that, people are having clogged drains, broken garbage disposals because oh. you're trying to. So that's why they've called on house fires from ex- frying turkeys. Yes. Preach. It's like that is why they the plumbers are co- coining it. Brown Friday. I can't That's promise as many disgusting. discounts yeah, no. on Brown Friday. Yeah, no, no. So keep that in mind. But you're right, Grant, because my dad for years lived out in the country outside of Duluth and he would always make you get the septic, everything Working order before yep. the we did too. We had a, we have a septic system. And, yeah, uh, yep, I never thing. knew that's why he did it though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had a used to have a, a yardstick out there to measure the. T- oh, <laughs> oh, 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 that bad boy is not measuring height. No. That's for sure. Oh, that, one, that one you buy your own. It's its own yardstick. Right. It uh, too much there. information. Did sorry. it have a name? Like did, no, what did you no, call no, it the icky stick? No, 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 the no, ick stick is no. so good. What the hell is that? The ick stick. That's what we're calling That's what your you stick. Your yeah. Septic oh, I thought this with. was something new that I didn't no, know about. Ellie just nailed it. It's the ick stick. stick. Okay. Yep. We're moving on from the ick stick. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can feel Lori. So, mm-hmm. speaking of uh, the ick stick, Ticketmaster, oh. as we know, has been a real problematic aspect of our lives. A Taste Swift tour. How much were your fees for your two tickets it that you bought? Was wild. How I much think per, per ticket? ticket? I think it was over eighty bucks. That is, it was almost 100 That's because, why they should be investigated, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It should be a flat fee. I'm proposing $12 a ticket, plus another three for administrative, at the most 15 It's ridiculous 
to have that kind of a fee for something. And it's not set. No. Like pink was 50 per yeah. ticket, but it was more if your ticket was more. It ended so up- if you bought like a $1,000 pink ticket, you paid more of a Ticketmaster fee. It stinks to high heaven. They are the ick stick. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, our very own A.B. Klobuchar is leading the pack. Saying Good. That this that when there's no competition incentive, yeah. better services and fair prices, we all suffer the consequences. Ticketmaster is committing fraud against They're- the citizens and the artists led by, I don't care who, maybe Taylor. They need to do something about it. Pearl Jam tried two years ago. And thank Preach. you. Live Nation merged with Ticketmaster, yeah. yeah. and now they're claiming that we have a monopoly. So We do. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Live Nation. Very much. Live Nation and Ticketmaster. This is a great oh, album. It's so good. It um, I'm currently obsessed with High Infidelity. That's I switch songs every week. Right. What I get like hyper-focused on. Yeah. So before it was Mastermind, and now I'm on High Infidelity. Yeah, I know. Beyonce and Taylor Swift both will be on stadium tours next week, but Beyonce hasn't announced hers yet. I know, and I have gone to Beyonce twice. I've mm-hmm. also paid a lot of money to see uh, Beyonce, and we'll see. I don't know if I can rationalize two. two. I get it. <laughs> I get year. it. But if I was going to be, it would be for Beyonce. Uh, yeah. Totally get it. Ellie and I were talking about that yesterday, just about uh, what a, it's so crushing that so many concerts are like so expensive. But that's why, you know, you got to just go and check out a band at First Ave yeah. or Amsterdam or 7th Street. Entry. I've stopped going to see shows where I can't get tickets under $40 yeah. within three days of the event. So you got to go to local, you got to go it, to bars and see, you know, what who's playing around town. I mean, shoot, uh, what's it called? Schooners? Everyone's got a good number. local band. Go out and find them. Well, also, yeah, just go listen. If you start going to the entry, um, you know, that's First Ave's little side yeah. one, you will see bands that will eventually do stadium tours. Yeah, it's happened yeah, to me yeah. at least three or four times. You'll catch them on the way up, and then you can catch them on the way down yeah. if you want when okay. they're on the tail end okay. tour. But I, I would agree with you guys. There's yeah. something to be said. It's so fun. Okay, so I thought this was kind of an interesting interview. So, you know, I only... There's so many daytime talk shows, and I try and pride myself on being the talk show host who knows the most about other talk shows. <laughs> and so... But Drew Barrymore and like some of the daytime shows, Sherry, Jennifer Hudson, I tape all the night shows, but I just tape the daytime shows if there's somebody who I'm interested yeah. in. Because sometimes the, 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 there's such a glut of daytime shows. Sometimes, you know, you're just like, oh, okay. I have talked about this to about five different people at this company. Do you have more hours in the day than us? How do you do you, this DVR. All? Is it- it's a DVR because you're fast forwarding, okay. like you know Kelly Clarkson. I tape that every day just so I can see what her Kelly Oki is and if she has a good guest. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other day she did Seven Nation Army, Jack White Stripes, with the USC marching band. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, just I want to see what she's singing. So it's just really fast forwarding. Yeah, I mean that that's- between that and reading though, can we acknowledge you get a lot done? Yeah, yeah, but again, the DVR is the thing okay. that that is like changed my life for TV watching because I never learned how to tape on a VHS tape mm-hmm. a thing. I would have 
my boyfriend of the moment if I was going to be out on a Thursday night and miss Knott's Landing, let's say, or whatever it you was. You had him trained well. He would come over and program it for me. Oh, funny. No, I just saw DVR, like, what? It was called TiVo when I first started. Boop, boop. Remember the boop, the boop, boop, boop. Okay, so, so Brooke uh, Shields was on Drew Barrymore the other day, and she's in a... HBO Max movie called Holiday Harmony. It really sounds like something that would be on the Hallmark yeah, channel or something. But, you know, she's has an iconic career for people who don't know. Like, she got, like, her SAG card when she was two. She was, like, I think a downy or an ivory soap baby. She got acting, you know, she started acting at a, at a very young age. And when she was 15 years old... She was in the Blue Lagoon, and this is 1981. Possibly kids looked at it. You know, Christopher Atkins, her co-star, I think he might have been 19. But it was pretty explicit. People were outraged. People were outraged when she was in Louis Malle's film Pretty Baby in 19. She was 12, so that would have been 1978, where she her mom was a sex worker in New Orleans and she was very much sexualized in the movie at the age of 12 and you're talking about Brooke Shields Brooke Shields and her, she was managed by her mom who was enamored of her beautiful talented mm-hmm. daughter and also was a big drinker yeah so Brooke Shields has had an interesting life yeah. she's married to um the tennis player Andre Agassi they Went out in flames. She dated Michael Jackson. I mean, she's just been like a Hollywood person for such a long time. So I was like, I want to see what's up with her. Yeah. So she talked about, and of course, this would be a conversation she'd probably only have with Drew Barrymore because Drew Barrymore also had a very inappropriate mom who, um, you know, let her start going to Studio 54 when she was 13 years old, left her alone, you know, for weekends when she was like nine and 10. You know, these are things that are inappropriate. They have that in common. Right. They have that in common. And so while she's talking about it, Drew asked her because she'd had the same experience. How about how some of the inappropriate questions that we had to answer from journalists who felt because we were, you know, Drew Barrymore's third generation Hollywood, that they felt that they could talk up, down, and at us. Something like that. Crazy, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. So here's Brooke Shields talking about when she did uh, an interview um, uh, with Barbara Walters when she was 15 for Blue Lagoon. Of course. She asked me what my measurements were and asked me to stand up. And I stand up and she was like comparing herself to this little little buffering, unfortunately. And she was like comparing herself to this little girl. And I thought, this isn't right. I don't understand what this is, but I just. She just was nice and kept, you know, oh, kept yeah, answering the back questions. Then, I'm sure she thought that she had to. I'm sure it was an idea of you just automatically do it. I mean, Britney Spears talks about this. We look back at these interviews and we go, "Oh, the Britney one was unbelievable. Oh, it's wild." And 
A lot of I, I don't think it's as simple as blaming Barbara Walters. No, it isn't. But Barbara Walters and and Diane Sawyer, we see that. I mean, there was in that way maybe because they were fighting tooth and nail they to were. make it in a man's yes. world, they became like a man without like any sensitivity. Because I mean, yes. Drew Barrymore shared with Brooke that when she was in her early twenties. She did a sit-down interview with Barbara Walters, and Barbara would not stop asking her about the cocaine use, bisexuality, and how many people she'd been with. And she was relentless. That's all that she wanted to do. And and Brooke said, well, I think she wanted the negative soundbite. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. There is a huge benefit to celebrities having their own social media and now not being so reliant on having to do these interviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the day, if you wanted to do a press on something, this is how you got it out. You had to go to these interviews and you were beholden to these people. There's, you know, this symbiotic relationship between celebrity and uh, interviewer. And And in the same interview, then Brooke told Drew Barrymore, she turned to her her mom, Terry, and said, how do you feel about having taken your daughter's childhood away? (laughs) Right on camera. Right on camera. Um, And, you know, Brooke later opened up, but at the time we didn't know that. And Brooke felt very defensive. Yeah. You know, know, she wanted to protect her mom. Could you imagine... If you were to ask that question or ask somebody to stand up to look at their measurement, I mean, it wouldn't happen nowadays. Yeah. I mean, because of so many reasons, but one of them is they don't have to do these interviews. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Brooke also shared with Drew Barrymore um, that, you know, her mom hired a photographer uh, to take nude photos of her when she was 10. And the reason she did it, she told her daughter, told Brooke, well, you can't talk back. You just have to do it. You're going to thank me one day for these photos. I mean, but, you know, there's her mom, a word for what that is. Yeah, it's called child pornography. Right, right. No, we've never seen the photos. Her mom never did anything with it. But that is something that Brooke revealed in her uh, memoir and stuff. But, yeah, it is really, if you know, I know every once in a while, you know, people go back and they find these interviews that in the. 70s and 80s, you know, uh, where a lot of times it is a woman really, really grilling another woman like we saw in the framing Britney Spears. And it's so true. I think your insight on talking about like everybody was competing for sound bites. Everybody was competing to be the most salacious and the most biting and cutting of all the interviewers. And and I'm sure you feel pressure like that sometimes, I mean, especially early on in your career. But the end of the day is that like we wanted that. Yeah. Like. As a society, we okay. love. I mean, back then, the Britney Spears interview, we loved it. Yeah. And All I right. mean, no, I got to get to this story because yeah, you guys more. will not believe this story. I mean, I've, I've felt for a long time that just Kanye West as a person is just like one of the worst <laughs> persons in the world, one True. of the worst people in the world. Okay. Yeah. Now, the in news, disaster. in news that literally shocks no one, yes. Um, we had heard that there were rumblings of a hostile work environment 
and the Yeezy office at Adidas, wherever that was in L.A. or New York, what? or wherever the hell it was. That's shocking. Shocking. And that, that Connie was really a vile boss, an abusive boss. Uh-huh. And there has never been, in the United States of America, there is yet to be a class action suit against abusive bullies as bosses. Mm-hmm. We've had sexual discrimination. You know, we've had all these other class action suits that have happened. And anyway, um, so now... Quite a number of former Yeezy employees have, first of all, they shared letters that they sent to to Adidas a, quite a while ago about, Receipts? we don't feel, un, we feel Uh-oh. uncomfortable. Here's what he did. And this is a Rolling Stone expose. Um, he, and, blind, and Adidas turned a blind eye. And you remember Kanye even said he could show porn and talk about Hitler and Adidas wouldn't fire him. Apparently Kanye being just Kanye, which is what Adidas management would say, he would stroll into meetings with a porn hub pulled up on his Mac book. He was showing explicit photos of Kim to potential employees or people that were working for him as an intimidation tactic. He'd go, look, my wife just sent me this and they'd show the you know the not, we can already yeah. Google Kim. We've already seen yeah. everything she she what is a showing. Wild word. That's your wife. That's so. I mean, why? Rolling Stone had five different employees. They wrote an, an open letter. They wanted a call to action, and 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 they said he also showed some of his own sex tapes <gasps> to people oh! unbidden, and people said they felt it was a tactic to break them down and show their undying loyalty because there were so many people who would immediately quit or leave. Yeah, he was looking for, he wanted a reaction. There was something that going on there. I actually had a boss show me, uh, for no reason, uh, a porn scene. For no reason. Oh yeah, my God. And it was, they. he wanted a reaction. He wanted to like, you know, either make me squirm or something. There was he, some power aspect. It's, a, it's abusive and bullying, and it's not against the law. Well, it can also be grooming. But yes. it's like yeah, you're the, trying to see what you can get away with. Exactly, oh. the testing the waters. If they don't, you know, make a big deal out of seeing that video, maybe they won't make a big deal if you touch them, stuff like that. Yes, and he also was wanting people to turn a blind eye because he liked to talk about bleeping his shoes to see if they felt good. You know, some of those rubber confections that he made. Yeah. Good Lord Almighty. I know. I mean, yeah. Huge, are we done with him yet? Like in general, like we need to be done with him. I, done I guess him. this Rolling Stone expose just really, I was just like, holy crap, that he really is vile. How did Kim even marry him? And how did she stay married to him? But they do have four beautiful children. They have four beautiful, and they and work may in she the get, same state a lot. And may she get custody. Right? Yes. 100%. All right, we'll be right back with Hollywood Speak. All right, I want to I want to go over this with you just because, you know, we bid we we said goodbye to something whatever it was, and last Friday at six o'clock East Coast time, five o'clock Central time, uh, a time when the general public is often having fun and we're not paying <laughs> attention to the news. <laughs> Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles uh, PR team pushed out the news that the highly publicized ro- uh, relationship, which dominated at least a year and a half of headlines had tapered out due to the fact that quote unquote they have different priorities. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what do you think? Uh, and I do believe that there was some substance to the relationship and it worked for quote unquote two years. Cause I will never forget seeing them holding hands in her gunny sack dress and wearing a knotted headband and going to some wedding in Montecito. You and I got this relationship. We got it. We got we, we understood got it. We understood the banging and the lust oh. and the hotness behind it. And we <laughs> understand what Harry wants. And he doesn't want some young little thing off, you know, the runway. Yeah, he likes an experienced woman. Yeah. He's notorious. When he was like 19, he was dating 30-year-olds. So, yeah. He likes what he has to learn. Yes. I think that, I mean, it was inevitable in a lot of ways. It was inevitable. But let's be honest. Could any relationship have sustained the good or the don't worry, darling firing squad? But that initial picture, it was like something like they rolled out of bed after being in bed for a week. Because filming had finished on Don't Worry, Darling. Julia and I talked about it. We always knew, you know, it was an overlap. And okay, fine, we get it. Not everybody's comfortable admitting that they were, you know, were not monogamous with her, that they cheated. Yeah. It's very actually liberating to just say if you did cheat, you cheated. And eventually it just feels way better than lying. Just like Eileen Davis. Thank you for being honest about that. I no, I'm saying that they there's no way their relationship was going to survive no. the last the the good uh don't worry, darling. Um, situation when it came out. Oh that, my gosh. The, the, that was brutal. And I think they honestly at I, the tail end, like that was a firing squad and they had to space out even this breakup. Yeah. So it but didn't I look mean, like it was right next to the yeah. all this bad press. But that it came was out a such a hard launch and they want to do a soft Irish goodbye out the back right? door. Not not and by us. Now stories are coming out. Because you know, she did show up at his last concert with her kids, which I did think was kind of kind of weird and and strange. <laughs> she was probably like because they knew they were breaking up. I told Julia as soon as his LA thing is over, they're going to announce they're breaking up because he's going out on tour on the rest of the world, and he does. Ain't nobody got time to be faithful on the road like that. And Harry's doesn't want to be a cheater. And his mom and dad also told him, "Do you need to be involved with a woman?" Who's fighting over custody? We have four and a six year old to come and move in your house in London, Harry, who's uh, 10 years older than you, by the way. I think that they were probably like, listen, kids, yeah. we have one more chance to go to this concert because then mommy and Harry are done. Yeah. So if you want to see Harry one more time, get in the vehicle. Here we go. Here we, uh, yeah. Hollywood, fuck it. They're not on a break. This is, this oh, they're is done. over. They're done. He did break up with her. I'll be interested to see. He did sh- break up with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I But I honestly think that like, she'll end up with somebody. I, I, I'm going to enjoy seeing who she ends up with next. Because she, I just think she's gorgeous. And, Andy. We've got we've got this fight going on, but I think uh, she'll land God, somewhere she, nice. She really, God, she really took the hit in all this. She did. Any chance? This is a really weird question. That the family reunion. 
Uh-huh. Jason Sudeikis and her get back together. So. No, oh, not God, a chance. No. It was no, so bad. Right? One, of the, re- himself one of the reasons why he served her, I think, the the custody papers at Comic Con oh, for Don't Worry, Darling, and he was involved yep. with that. And you know, he did lay. I, I wonder if I wonder if Olivia threw her special salad dressing at the back of Harry's head <gasps> when he told her that. Darling, it's all over. I'm heading out on the world tour. But they won't get back together. But one of the reasons why he served her is she let him know this summer that her plan was to move with the kids to London. Now, Ted Lasso is finished. They're filming. Yep, they're done. They're done in London. And he's back to his hometown and well, they I guess they lived in Brooklyn and yeah, whatever. New York, yeah. But I'm sorry, kids, that's in untenable. Yeah, you can't yeah. do the over the over the pond. Uh, you know, every other weekend, no no. Wednesday no night, way. that's too far away. And Harry knew Harry. He's like, oh, whoa, 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 yeah. I, don't, I don't want those kids moving in with me. So yeah, he he said goodbye, and I'm sure she is disappointed. Yeah. I'm sure she is because I she's think she's gonna land on her feet. Of course she her will. Beautiful, gorgeous feet. Yeah, I just think she's so. I don't know what it is about <laughs> her. I just love her. I love watching her on screen. Yeah. I love acting, watching her act. I wish that Florence Pugh would wear a shirt that says "Miss Flo is happy again." Or something right. Like that. There's a new movie because <laughs> that- I always thought that was so telling on Olivia Wilde's part. Part. That she fart <laughs> on Olivia's wild farting part, but that she <laughs> called Florence Pugh her star of Don't Worry Darling, Miss Flo. I'm telling you though, there Pugh was a massaging yeah. of ego that was going on there that I think that you have to do when you're that role. And I think at that time she was trying if to we get. We had a, a male director calling his ingenue star Miss Flo. I don't know. It just felt. Sexist on the part of Olivia Wilde, demeaning towards Flo, and that was because Florence Pugh knew that every time the trailer was rocking, yeah. no one could go knocking because it was <laughs> Olivia and uh, Harry. Harry, and she'd let the assistant director do the setup scenes and stuff. Yeah, there's no, a reason right. why no one did press on "Don't Worry, Dialing." No one except her, um, Olivia. Side note, there's this movie that Netflix has been showing me called, I believe it's Wonder mm-hmm. with Florence Pugh. It looks so it looks good. good. And I want to know if it is because it, it's like, it's almost two hours and the plot doesn't seem like it would be interesting enough to carry two hours, but I want someone to tell me, is it good or not at right. some point in my Wait, life? Wait, you mean the one with Owen Wilson and Julia Roberts? No, oh, no, no. No, not that one. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Um, okay. And uh, Valerie Bertinelli on Instagram uh, just posted this. I am officially bleeping divorced. See, that's a woman who's happy to be divorced. You can't always apologize to someone when they get divorced. You always ask them, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Right. Then take your cue from that answer. (laughs) There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms today. Okay.